punkies, and welcome to the Punk Life Show, brought to you by Punk Parties, because your punk deserves to be the best-dressed punk at the party, and you can check out their outfits at punkparties.com. I'm your host, Donna, and with me are my puggy co-hosts, Charles and Rosie. In this week's episode, I'm talking to you about the emotional roller coaster ride that is pug ownership, the stuff that the books don't really tell you about, but you should think about before you buy or adopt a puggy, especially if they're your first. But before we start, I want to remind you to subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes so you get advance notice of our next episode and much, much more. Luckily, in between lockdowns last year, we were able to go on our fur family holiday with friends, enjoying an easy long weekend surrounded by kids and various fur kids, pugs and non-pug alike, chatting about various topics, including the good, the bad and the not-so-pretty aspects of living the pug life. Notwithstanding the obvious myths we all know and not really love about pugs, One thing that my friends were amazed about was that pugs could be surrendered or needed rehoming because eager, soon-to-be pug parents didn't do their homework to understand what it was like to live the real pug life before spending a lot of money on a pug puppy. They were surprised that even today some people don't understand that their pug puppy would grow slash evolve into something that they were not prepared for. An adult pug with its very own personality and potentially health issues that they hadn't factored into their budget. Now, my first pug, Lewis, was an innocent victim of owners who no longer wanted to, inverted commas, deal with his needs. I know how odd it must sound with all of the information available online these days, but sometimes reading a how-to guide doesn't necessarily give you a picture of the emotional roller coaster ride that is living the pug life. So I thought I'd talk today about some of my experiences after almost 20 years of living the pug life. Now, my first tip is to know your boundaries and then be ready to bend all of them if needs be. One of my favourite parts of being a pug parent to rescue pugs is getting to know them and their unique personalities. I know that adopting or rescuing means accepting them for who they are since they may have had a rough start to life and will have already developed a personality in response to that. I've also learned the hard way that some rules may need to be adjusted to suit their individual physical or psychological needs. I do believe that pugs suffer abandonment issues as much as humans do, So you have to be empathetic whilst they learn to trust another human as well as recognise that some pugs take a little longer than others to adjust. Now, my first pug, Lewis, a.k.a. Fat Dog, was neglected and abused and did not trust men. So when Andrew and I started dating, I had to slowly introduce them to each other with Fat Dog setting the pace. Then when Andrew moved in, there was a period of adjustment that makes for some funny stories, but as Andrew says, they came to a gentleman's agreement in the end that saw them bond until the day Fat Dog passed of old age. The upside to this story is that through hard work and patience, Lewis learned to trust again. Now, one such story was what I used to call the war of the poop spot. Now, Andrew had done a magnificent job of cleaning up the garden at the townhouse we were living in at the time, 
and he had started to nurture a rather sad-looking wattle tree back to life in one corner of the garden. Coincidentally, it was the same corner that Lewis liked to do his business in. Andrew had spoken to our vet about how he could redirect Lewis to another part of the garden that he preferred Lewis to concentrate his business in because it would make it easy to clean up and the wattle wouldn't be in danger of getting trampled on. At this point, I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, oh, rookie mistake, Andrew, and I would agree with you on that one. But in his defence, he was new to pug ownership and he had yet to experience puggy-tood slash stubbiness in all its glory. So the next day, we're all out in the small backyard of the townhouse enjoying the sun when Andrew sees Lewis start to do his pre-business circle work next to the wattle tree. Andrew jumps up, runs over to Lewis, picks him up, carries Lewis over to the new business spot, pops him down there just like the vet had advised him to. Andrew turns around to walk back to his chair, looking very happy with himself, having caught Lewis before he'd had time to do his business under the wattle tree and successfully relocated him to the new spot without having actually gotten pooped or piddled on in the process. Then, as Andrew starts to walk back towards me saying, I told you I'd be able to do it, Lewis zooms back to the original business spot and pooped so quickly that I don't know what was funnier. The look of triumph on Lewis's face for having outsmarted Andrew or the look on Andrew's when he realised that Lewis had outsmarted him so easily. <laughs> Lewis won Andrew zero. Whenever I think of that day, it always brings a smile to my face and a tear to my eye. And in answer to your question, Andrew gave up trying to get Lewis to poop in the new spot. Wow, Puggies, I'm loving this episode and I hope you are too. If you haven't already subscribed to our newsletter, then please click on the link in our show notes so you get advance notice of our next guest and don't forget to join our Facebook group, Live in the Pug Life, so you can be the crazy pug lady you've always wanted to be with our other like-minded crazy pug ladies. Now it's time to get back to the show. Now my next tip is called Enduring Patience is your middle name. Every pug we've ever lived with has figured out what button to push that will try the patience of 10 saints and probably Lucifer himself. I don't think I have met a pug parent yet that hasn't said that their little angel is only good for other people or hasn't ever pushed them to the point of needing to lock them in a room or outside for an hour's time out. Like children, pugs will look at you with innocence written all over their beautiful faces while sitting in the epicentre of the tornado that they have just created whilst your back was turned doing it out of boredom or because they're not happy with you and that's their way of letting you know. Now, Winston was especially good at this. He was so headstrong at times that I would have to walk away so as not to strangle him from having found my office trashed for the second time in a day or needing to wash my foot after having stamped a little surprise parcel that wasn't there literally moments before. Now, Winston was especially stubborn when it came to toilet training both he and Charles had been rescued from a tiny courtyard that had no grass and no shelter. They weren't permitted to go inside, so they hadn't been toilet trained as a pub. 
their beautiful foster mum had started the process. But when they come to live with us, both boys had real trouble using the doggy door at night. They picked up using during the day quickly, but at night not so much. And we think they may have been afraid of the dark, so we'd added solar lights to help with that. Now, at one point of their toilet training, I distinctly remember waking up in the middle of the night to the sound of Winston piddling on the wall and carpet right next to my bed. No one wants to clean up a lake of piddle at 3am night after night, and it took me six months to properly toilet train both boys to the point where I could go to sleep without fear of waking to the sound of puggy-inspired waterfall sounds in the middle of the night. Now, I loved Winston with all my heart, but even I had moments in that initial period with him where I'm still surprised to this day that he made it to 11. My next piece of advice is know that your heart will burst, skip a beat or break in two on a consistent cycle. All of our pugs have given us love, loyalty, entertainment, snot, snout and pugitude in equal proportions. They've also drained our bank accounts dry with hospital bills, given us minor heart attacks with their various stunts, including death-defying leaps off retaining walls, had us crying inconsolably when we had to make that decision, and defied all laws of nature by getting into pantries, bins and locked rooms on the off chance of finding treaties. Now, Rosie is our wannabe butterfly pug. She loves sitting in the puggy buggy with Charles when it suits and when it doesn't, she'll just leap out of it without warning. I am sure for a split second she thinks she's flying until she face plants into the footpath as I almost run over the top of her with the puggy buggy having not stopped fast enough. One time she did it at a busy intersection so she face planted into the road as cars were driving past. I know my heart skipped a beat so that I can only imagine what the driver of the car that was going past at the time must have thought, and I'm surprised they didn't run off the road, to be brutally honest. I am waiting for the day that she doesn't get up and shake it off like the Taylor Swift song, but for now she floats like a feather for about half a second before she drops like a pug tato. Oh. My next tip is you will live in fear of treading on your pug's paws or tripping over them every day. Pugs have no concept of personal space or understanding of a reasonable distance between your feet and their body when standing next to you but outside of your field of view. You'll feel equal portions of guilt and frustration almost daily. Guilt for having stepped on their paws and frustration that even after all this time, they still stand in your blind spot and you forget that they're there. <laughs> it's incredible. I will easily apologise a dozen times in a day to Charles for tripping over him. He's a lot slower at getting out of the way these days. Or I'll step on his paws because even after 10 years, he still stands, sits or lies down just behind my feet when I stand still for more than 30 seconds. My father calls him the foreman when he comes over to stay and watches Charles follow me around watching everything I do and then trips me up because he's that close to my feet when I suddenly change direction. I sometimes wonder if Charles does it on purpose because he usually gets an apology cuddle out of it at a minimum because I feel so bad for doing it in the first place since it's really all my fault and he's totally blameless for every trip, accidental kick or stop that I inflict on him, even though he's the one that sits behind my feet.
Now, my final piece of advice is that they are worth it, no matter what other people say. At the end of the day, being a pug porrit means handing over your personal space, lap, bank account, sleep-ins, clothes, vacuum cleaner, holiday plans, and much, much more in exchange for unconditional love, loyalty, and those beautiful puggy smiles and cuddles, which in my opinion is a fair trade, is why I love being a pug mum so much and I'm willing to continue to sit on the puggy roller coaster ride for as long as I can. Now it's your turn to talk pug. If you were talking to a potential pug porrent, what would you tell them about being one that isn't covered in the how-to guides or books? We'd love to know, so please share it with us over in our Facebook group, Live in the Pug Life. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Pug Life Show. If you liked the episode or if you think it'll be useful for someone else, please leave a review over at podchaser.com. And if you've got any questions or want to tell us how much you loved the episode, then let me know over at our Facebook group, Live in the Pug Life, where crazy pug ladies meet to talk all things pug. So until next time, puggies, have a pawsome week and humans be generous with the snackies.